Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Cream Anderson. I'm joined by David Allen. Hope everybody's doing well out there. For those in the United States, almost time for Independence Day. Yeah, and before we send you off on a lovely, hopefully a lovely vacation uh, time, uh, we want to give you guys some news for the week. And uh, this has been a week full of news. Uh, most of it has to pertain to the FTC uh, injunction case for Microsoft, which we will get into on the back half of this podcast. But we want to get you guys in on maybe some of the other stuff that has probably been kind of uh, overshadowed by, you know, the uh, five day long court case headlines that consist of AMD becoming an exclusive partner for Starfield and PC and what that even means uh, for most people. And we talked about uh, Copilot uh, coming to Windows Insider builds uh, and the mess that is the Insider uh, development channels. Uh, we're also be talking about Microsoft Edge enhancing users' privacy with uh, five gigabytes of free built-in VPN. Uh, and that's coming to consumers. Those of us who have other uh, Insider builds have been playing around with it for a little bit. Uh, we'll also be talking about... Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella claiming uh, he has no love for exclusivities. This is coming out of, again, his testimony during the uh, FTC versus Microsoft injection case. We'll also be talking about Microsoft looking into offering versions of cloud-based Windows 365 for consumers. Uh, I believe some of the headlines might have sound more salacious than the act, the actual the, the practicality of what's about to happen, if that is uh, something that's going to happen. We'll be talking about Stardock releasing uh, Desk Spaces 11 and what that can mean to brighten up and make your or customize your uh, Windows PC. And lastly, we'll be talking about Microsoft officially discontinuing Yammer by renaming it Viva Engage. Uh, with that being said, um, we'll be getting into our first headline, which I'll let you lead with. All right, I'm going to jump right into uh, something with Starfield here. Uh, this kind of surprised me this week after we talked about Starfield after the Xbox game show and um, game was looking pretty good. Well, if you own PC, guess what? AMD will be the exclusive partner for Starfield on PC. A little surprising there, and I'm going to tell you why. Everybody that um, has dealt with an nvidia card knows that nvidia has basically patented almost and they've really got a handle on dlss which means that your game can upscale and downscale as needed and with amd you're doing it a little differently i believe they call theirs fidelity fx so we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out it was a little it's called fsr2 for those that are looking the abbreviation and FSR2 only works to my knowledge with AMD graphics cards. So you have kind of a competition there like um, NVIDIA is DLSS and AMD is FSR2. So we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. Hopefully that doesn't mean that there's a big performance in or decrease for the millions of folks out there that have already got these nvidia cards the 460 470 480 490 uh kind of surprised me that that's an amd only title yeah it's uh i mean we have to dig a little bit into exactly what this means for people who are uh perhaps getting amd uh powered cpus versus 
uh, you know what that what that means for the Radeon graphics as well, and how what the difference, what the value might be between that performance, uh, as well as just people who are are using uh, various Intel ones. It just seems weird to like say exclusive mm-hmm. on PC when there are so when there's such a multitude of configurations, uh, and you know what that means, uh, you know why that's a selling point. Uh, I still have yet to figure that out in my own head. Well, some, something I thought about. I believe the Xbox is an AMD correct. hybrid hybrid chip, correct? Correct. So maybe with it being a Microsoft kind of an in-house title and then, you know, the AMD partnership with Xbox, you know how these games port themselves from console to PC very mm. easily. So my thought might be if it's on Xbox, they're just going to, and this is going to sour some gamers' opinions right off the bat. The word "port" usually upsets a lot of PC gamers, so they may it may just be because it's easier to port it from the Xbox to the PC because the Xbox is AMD based. That's the only yeah rash, rationale that makes sense to me. You are much more uh, logistic thinking than I am. I'm thinking this is mostly a marketing play to have AMD's logo on probably a lot of those packages saying that it, it you know, offers this new Fidelity FX super resolution uh, via AMD. Uh, just, you know, if, if this game ends up being as big as it can be, uh, you'll start seeing that marketing with AMD exclusively uh, on, the, on the packaging uh, anywhere, digital or uh, uh, in real life. So. Uh, that's my thoughts on that. We will find out more about this soon. Uh, we're going to move on to our next headline, which is Copilot coming to Windows 11 Insider Dev Builds. Uh, and I believe the actual number is build 23493. And uh, with this new build, uh, 23493, there are actually a lot of things that Microsoft have been teasing during last month's uh, developer build that is coming to this. Uh, people will obviously get access to the new Copilot. Uh, it becomes a new uh, icon in your taskbar. Uh, you can click on it, and what is happening is a pane from the, I believe, the right side of your screen shows up. What used to be, or I mean, where the Action Center normally resides, it's still there, but uh, Copilot now shows up in that area as well. Uh, some of the notable first iterations of Windows Copilot for Insider uh, channels. Uh, some of the things you need to know in order to have this uh, enabled is it requires dev channel build 23493 or up and edge version uh, 11 uh, 11150190.150. Windows Copilot is rolling out, uh, but it's not rolling out to not all dev channels. This is where we get into the murky uh, mm-hmm. AB testing slash chat, you know, canary versus dev things. And I'll get into that in a second after I list about the other things that are coming out uh, for this uh, build, which is a new settings page. At least uh, it's not new as in far as the development, but it's the UI is laid out differently. You'll have double panes in the settings page, which, which will allow you to see more content uh, per uh, section. So if you're in the systems page, uh, you will have the system uh, descriptors and a bunch of uh, things you can jump to on the left side. On the right side, will be a double pane of more icon. It's more icon based uh, with, again, more dense information in the area. Uh, we're also going to be getting uh, people should be getting the new uh, files explorer UI uh, that's going out to more people now. So again, you'll have a uh, preview page 
which will have uh, shared content. So, so people that you share uh, content with, you can get updates in the file explorer. You also get more icons based on the uh, top of the uh, UI, which will you know direct you to your different uh, locations or your different file management uh, systems. We also get expanded native uh, archive file format read support, which you know this is basically uh, none of us have to go and get the free download of WinRAR or WinZip anymore. WinRAR. Yeah, File Explorer will be able to do this on its own. I think it's been doing WinRAR extractions it, already, right? It's been doing Zip for a while. It hasn't zip, been that's doing- right. It hasn't been doing uh, Renoir. I know Zip, if you just right-click on a Zip and go to Extract All, it will take care of it. But uh, Winroar, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad to see that. Yeah, so we'll be getting access to that. There's a new volume mixer uh, in the Quick Settings, which advances what's currently available, uh, where you can basically control wherever the volume's at on any application window or program uh, specifically. So for those of us who you know used to go into the Edge tabs in order to mute a, a channel or anything like that you can go down to the uh, volume mixer and do the exact same thing uh, we get narrator voices um i believe yeah uh, we get a uh, narrator voices for japanese and great britain english uh so you know for those of us who need accessibility there's just more diversity in that uh, we'll also be getting an expanded app restore, which again, this is the feature that Microsoft had mentioned about uh, being able to go into the app store, the Microsoft store, put in your credentials and all of the apps that you have had on a system prior to this or prior to your new install will be there for you to basically say, yeah, reinstall all of these apps. So you don't have to go in manually through all the categories and find the ones that you used to use all the time. Uh, that is all that should be in this build. I mean, I say all, but that's a lot. Uh, this is where we get into the murky conversation you, I, our editor-in-chief had about this whole dev thing because these features are coming to dev. Uh, there have been many people who are on Canary who have gotten none of this, uh, most of the people. And even the people in dev are being A-B tested for these. So it's the Windows Insider program has gone from uh, a dedicated feedback loop to a lottery. And I just want to know what your thoughts are on this. You know, that that I think they need to get back to consistency. Because my thing is, and you have had this issue with some of the downloads of builds that you specifically have. And we've talked about features here on the podcast. We talked about it, you know, in our chat. You know, I've got a feature that you don't have, but yet we end up in the same you're, you're either a beta or dev in most cases, and I think it all needs to be the same. There needs to be one dev channel, and everybody in that dev channel gets the same thing. And then, you know, and then if there, there's a beta channel, everybody in that beta channel needs to get the same thing. I understand that Microsoft completely needs to A-B test some things that's part of, you know, good software development. But I thought that was the purpose of, of having a dev channel versus a beta channel i thought that was the whole purpose is the dev folks kind of got the new bleeding edge stuff and you kind of know that it may be broke when you get it that was the purpose to me it adds to confusion when people are trying to figure out well i'm doing some dev work against this feature but i don't have it on my windows build and there's no button if you will that somebody can press and say look i'm in the channel i need this feature you can't do that you have to wait for microsoft to give it to you and i i don't i don't like that yeah ron over at xda um was made a salient point uh today on twitter saying that it's not 
it's no longer advantageous to be part of the Windows Insider program if they're going to put up this many roadblocks. People are, you know, you, myself, other, other, other of the, those of us who are eager to be tech enthusiasts or, you know, first, uh, first time triers of certain things. Uh, we put our systems in a less stable mode in order to have the opportunity to test something versus the guarantee that we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you could pay basically like I've done, I've got two, three machines at Canary. They have been relatively stable. There have been some crashes and things like that, but I've got none of these new features and it just seems like a waste of time uh, to have put my sister through this, knowing that, you know, I was not going to get it, uh, that there's a chance I couldn't. Um, so I think, again, to your point of making this an easier process. I know Apple does it in one way, and I, I you know, their way is starting to make more sense now. It used to make more sense for, for Windows users because we got tons of features to try out all the time. Even if they didn't make them to the system, you still got a chance to play with them for a little bit before Microsoft, you know, closed the book on them or decided to proceed with them. The way Apple does is they show you all the new features they want, they're, they want to show you at their developer conference. Microsoft mm -hmm. teases features throughout the year saying like oh we're thinking about adding this and it's like well this is october what okay fine i guess uh we want to take away this well it's march like you know instead of just saying like hey here are all the features we want to focus on at our developers conference in may and over the course of the year you will finally get them and you'll get them through these channels and ie canary gets everything first dev will then get whatever canary's tested and the release preview can do AV testing if that's if that's how they choose to do it, knowing that, hey, we've already tested. We've actually you know tested these features through Canary. Anybody who's in Canary has, has played around with them and everyone seems to, you know, we've ironed out the kinks. We moved them on to dev so that a wider pool of people can test them out and play with them and stuff like that. And then when we decide, you know, whether or not we're going to keep this feature, we will then move it to the release preview where people in the release preview who have picked the most secure version of our insider builds can then get AB tested for it. We're like, you know what? Uh, we've, we've, we've seen that the feature works. Now, how many people want the feature? Versus what they're doing now, it's like, well, we don't know if the feature's worked yet and half of you can test it. Uh, the other half of you will just have to wait and then maybe you'll get it down the chain. Uh, I had mentioned yesterday that I am more likely to be on the release preview and get these, these builds finally than I am a Canary because again, they're, I guess, selecting or saving all that stuff for Windows 12 features, which you would think would include all the stuff we're getting or all the stuff you got yesterday. You you would think that and something else that crossed my mind, you know, people such as you and I that do these product reviews, when you open up a machine, now you're getting the default Windows 11, you plug it in, you get your updates, you know, and, and you make a choice of whether you want to be in the insider program or not. Well, the way I look at it is machines change as things get updated. You know, Microsoft makes feature changes. The performance of a machine, a particular machine can change good or good, bad or ugly. So it would be nice to be able to open a machine, put it in the dev channel and know that us as journalists, when we are doing our tests and doing our reviews, Sure, we're on the bleeding edge, but that person will at least know what their machine is going to perform like when they get it, if they buy it a month from now, two months from now, when those features that were in dev have been pushed up and could possibly be in a release patch somewhere. 
it would be it, nice. It, it just needs to be consistent, whatever they choose to do, that's for sure. You hear that, Microsoft? Our bottom line, consistency and transparency. You have, have utterly lacked that since Gabe has left, since even Donna, who, who tried her hardest, has left. We need more transparency for this thing. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have to find a different way to test these operating system builds when you need to release them. But we're going to stop, you know, complaining about it. Uh, those of you who have dev and are playing with it, you know, let us know your feedback uh, and we'll live vicariously through you. Moving on, what's our next headline? All right, we're going to stay in the Microsoft software point of view. Um, kind of have a little uh, a gripe or two over this too. As you know, Edge has a VPN service and they announced the VPN service uh, a little while back and mm -hmm. it started with one gig, yes, one gig of Edge VPN data. Kind of reminds you of a self, old fashioned cell phone data plan, doesn't it? Well, a lot of people were complaining, of course, one gig a month is nothing. You know, you can browse through one gig a month, probably in a day if you chose to, or if you're a busy person. Well, now you get it through Cloudflare, which is who they're using for the Edge VPN service. Interestingly enough, they're not using um, Azure here, so that, that kind of baffles me a little bit. We're off in Cloudflare land, but we're up to five gig. Well, five gig is better than one gig, but will five gig get the average person through 30 days of use? And keep in mind, it's not a true VPN. Microsoft says that you should only use this on insecure sites. Now, I'm a web developer, do a lot of web work. How many websites are still insecure thanks to Google who does not rank insecure websites? So who is sitting out there with those insecure sites that you're going to be visiting to chew up five gig a month? I don't get it. Uh, yeah, this is a business decision, uh, which is partly why they're not using Azure. Uh, they've partnered to basically give uh, Cloudflare access to uh, Microsoft or Edge users. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody because it gets more people using Edge. It also uh, gives puts the burden on Cloudflare, which already has the infrastructure, in order to uh, sell amounts of access. Sure. So, and they don't need to you know, dedicate any more resources from Azure to do that. They can keep their uh, priorities and concentrations development on businesses, so to speak, uh, and let, again, Cloudflare do all this until at which point uh, they find it financially viable for them to create their own. Uh, but for now, I, I see it as a win. I see it as a win for most people. You get a little more time. Um, you can download a high fidelity album for a full one now. Um, you yeah, can, at least uh, you can do the you know the basic stuff. You can get a 1080p movie. Not saying that you should, but you could. Uh, so it, like I said, I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, I, obviously, just like yourself, I'd like to see more. But I'm sure Cloudflare has a plan. This is free, by the way where you can probably get maybe 30, 40 gigs uh, if you paid it like five, six bucks or something like that. I will throw this out there and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. And I think this is one place where Microsoft may be losing the battle. If you're a Google One subscriber, 
meaning you actually pay Google something for storage. We're not talking the standard 15 gig Gmail plan. It was uh, about six weeks ago. They threw in Google One VPN to those packages. So if you pay, for example, it's $2.99 a month for a couple hundred gigabytes of storage the vpn is thrown in and i have used it so far it's unlimited and seems to work fairly well now your mileage may vary if you trust google to not look at your data but at least from a product point of view i can see where microsoft might be losing a bit here uh, google's kind of got one up on them it seems to be an across the board vpn and not just for your browser uh, yeah, and there's no argument that that is how it is currently. Uh, I do see this as a potential uh, SkyDrive, OneDrive issue where they had this back in the day where Microsoft was one of the first of the big cloud uh, solutions or storage providers to start charging. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to lose customers. And Microsoft's, hey, you know, we can't operate at a loss. We just can't give away ter uh, terabytes of storage for free. So they started charging. Google didn't do anything for, I don't know, six months to a year. And everyone was like, I'm going to move my stuff to, to Google Drive because I, I don't get charged. Then shortly, you know, when enough people started making use of their service, they also had to put the brakes on and start charging. And they started taking away from Google Photos and they started kind of nickel and diming people for search stores because they had more people using more stores. So I, I feel like this could be, potentially be Microsoft saying like, hey, you know, we can't just give you unlimited VPN. It, the, the world doesn't work that way. Cloud, uh, cloud capacity is finite. Uh, but in Google saying, oh, well, we don't have that many people using Google One per se right now, so we can give it away for free. The more people start using Google One because of the freeness, they are, they may have to in the future say, all right, well, hold slow down. We have too many of you now dragging down the network. Let's start putting some, you know, borders up and some some uh, stop gaps to kind of make sure everyone's having a decent experience and that you know we're still financially solvent. But with that being said, let's move on to our next topic, which is. Uh, Microsoft is looking to offer a cloud-based version of Windows 365 for consumers. Now, a lot of, I mentioned earlier, headlines were salacious saying that Microsoft's moving Windows to the cloud. Microsoft has already done that. This is why Windows 365 exists for people. It's mostly for developers, uh, mostly for admins as a, a VMware solution. Uh, but they've done this, you know, a while ago. What they're trying to do now is figure out a way to offer this solution to consumers and they're testing it out in a myriad of ways. Um, I think their quote exactly was moving Windows 11 increasingly to the cloud um, will enable uh, to the cloud building on Windows 365 will enable us to full to offer full Windows operating system stream from the cloud to any PC device. Use the power of the cloud and client to enable improved AI powered services and full roaming of people's digital experience. This was a doc that this was a quote from a doc that was uh, revealed during this whole uh, FTC uh, Microsoft injunction case. Uh, and I believe this specific, specific reference was about a year old. Uh, so presumably they've been working on it, looking a way to refine it. Uh, you know, it'll work just similar, similarly to the way, uh, Windows 365 works for commercial use or enterprise use. Uh, but you know, you and I have talked off mic, how this will become part of the Microsoft 365 package. And what do you think? I think that's where we're going. I mean, you know, we've talked about the idea of not everybody has enough internet connection to be running a 
operating system remotely. That is, you know, one hurdle that people have to get through. But I think ultimately this is coming to the all-in-one 365 package that will eventually show up that will include your office, your OneDrive, your Game Pass, your Xbox, your Windows Cloud, if you need it. And I think this is good for people that use Macs, you know. Sometimes you just need quick access to Windows, not a knock on Apple here at all. Sometimes you just do. I think that's where it will sell well, and I think it will sell well for people using um, terminals or even some, you know, some of the mini PCs out there where they can just log into the cloud and sign in. I know Samsung already has a couple of monitors out there that you connect the monitor to Wi-Fi or Ethernet and you can jump right in and go ahead and log right into Office right there on the monitor with your cloud access. So I think it's a good thing. It's just a matter of how they market it. Yeah, I mentioned in the piece that I wrote up about this is that it like to your point, it is a great uh, asset for people who are on Macs. It's also a way for Microsoft to get potentially money from people Mm-hmm. who are on Macs uh, and don't have to use Parallels uh, per se. Uh, this money goes straight to Microsoft. Uh, what they'll essentially do is get someone who happens to have a Mac, perhaps has an Xbox, uses Office either at work or at home for whatever reason, uh, they will now be able to, in the future, bundle this saying like, hey, if you just get my Microsoft 365 for 30 bucks a, a month or whatever, 35, 40, whatever, you get access to Game Pass, you get access to Office and all of its features that come, you know, we get new, we send you new features every month and you get access to streaming Windows whenever you need to on your Mac. Uh, prior to this, they were maybe only getting pe- money from people who were, you know, doing one of two things and it was, you know, for maybe nine bucks per service. For 35 bucks, they're getting an extra 10, 15 bucks from this person and they're still using Windows on a Mac. They didn't have to go out and buy a Surface or they didn't have to change devices or anything like this. This is just another revenue stream in Microsoft's Windows licensing that should help them in the future if they can figure this out. Well, something to remember, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave here. We used to pay for that Windows license, you know, things yes. back Windows 95, Windows Millennium, Windows NT. We used to pay for that Windows license, and that was an income stream that Microsoft had. So this is a way for them to get back some of that income stream as well. Yeah, and it won't be dependent on PC sales. They will have a more steady stream of revenue, knowing that this you know this amount comes in every month, no matter what, because it can be streamed on any device. It doesn't you know we're not mm-hmm. subject to the rises and falls of PC sales. Uh, What's our next headline? I'm going to jump down to something just a little bit different, something that I think is a little bit cool. Stardock has their second release um, for the month. You know, they did uh, Groupie 2 earlier in the month. If you remember, it was uh, allowed you to group your files in your files, folders, etc., and be able to click one button and have certain files, folders, and apps pop right up on your screen. Well, now they have something kind of cool called Desk Spaces 11. And you folks can laugh at me. I'm not somebody who customizes my machines very much. When I open the box and turn them on, if they've got a Lenovo background, an HP background, guess what? That background tends to stay there. But 
you're somebody who does the customizing you have you can do anything to your heart's content they've got a built-in desktop designer you can do graphics you can do animations you can put videos in as your background if you're willing to you know put in the gpu usage and the cpu usage throw up your favorite video back there um it's part of their object desktop package if you already have it or it's separate for 399 so if you want to customize your machine you can do that they have some other tools out there where you can customize your desktop customize your taskbar you can even while we're talking about old versions of windows you can even make your machine look like windows 95 if it suits you if you want to do something weird like that, I would suggest trying this out as well. I have uh, I have done it. I have to admit, <laughs> I, I, I I saw somebody else do it. I'm like, I have to do this just to see if it'll work. And Are you still but, using it? I uh, on that particular machine, yes. All right, good, good on you, good on you. Uh, I'm going to move to our, my last headline, which is the discontinuation of Yammer. Uh, reborn as Viva Engage. In an official announcement, Microsoft formally retired the Yammer brand and introduced the rebranding of the platform under the name Viva Engage. The change initially communicated back in 2023, February 2023 this year, uh, has now become effective as of yesterday. Nonetheless, uh, existing Yammer users will be seamlessly, seamlessly transitioned to the new uh, Viva Engage branding, allowing them to continue using the platform without interruption. Uh, the rebranding of Viva Engage aligns with Microsoft's strategy for uh, their Viva employee experience. So uh, this is one of the last uh, old business paradigms. I think Skype is the last one standing of that whole, we're going to socialize. Skype to the end, baby. We're going to socialize, yeah, we're going to socialize uh, uh, enterprise communications and whatnot. That's Viva was one of the last ones. Now it's just Skype. Uh, Viva Engage will incorporate the community, uh, the yeah, community and conversation functionalities previously available in Yammer. So again, you it's mostly rebranding. The technologies are roughly the same. Uh, the features are now encompassed within Microsoft 365, which we talked about a second ago, and Office 365 plans tailored for enterprise and frontline workers. Uh, the new edition is now available within Microsoft Teams alongside other modules of Microsoft Viva. The company has already rebranded Outlook notifications, Yammer Embedded, Yammer SharePoint uh, web part, and the Yammer mobile app to Viva Engage. Existing users of the Yammer uh, desktop PWA app will be prompted to reinstall the app. Upon opening it, by clicking OK, the app will be reinstalled in, uh, with the renamed version of, of Viva Engage. If the prompt continues to display the Yammer logo instead of the Engage logo, users are advised to uninstall and reinstall the app just to get the new logo. Microsoft has asserted that the change in Yammer URLs and APIs will not occur right away. However, it is expected to be fully realized by the conclusion of this year. In the meantime, users will be seamlessly redirected to the new Viva page uh, address when uh, they click on these links. I think it'll be up to admins over the next six months to kind of tell people like, hey, if you're looking to go to these sites, be prepared for this change. I never used Yammer a whole lot and I have been a part of um a few Microsoft 365 enterprises and I understand why they're changing it but I also question I hate to be the bad guy here but how many companies use all these side features most most places that that I have been in they sign in they open up teams they see what their tasks are they chat they exchange files they go to work so you know I get that it's a part of it and it's all about engagement with your coworkers and keeping things, you know, 
organized and pretty and all that good stuff but i wonder just how many people use some of this stuff yeah it's a good question i mean it's at least enough for them to rebrand it versus just completely shutting it down so maybe there's just one big company out there somewhere who's using it enough to keep it afloat uh i will try not to judge uh because i have often proven wrong most times so yes uh, there's somebody out there using it let's put it that way maybe uh, apple's using it in a dark room and just oh that would be that would be the twist <laughs> right there like an m night Shyamalan movie um okay well that leads us to our, op- our not our opening but our main topic of discussion we've gone through our headlines here's where all the meat and potatoes are at for this week folks uh and it is the three days of in person court case trial for microsoft versus activision or microsoft and activision versus the ftc uh over an injunction uh that the uh, ftc would like to have the courts impose leading up to their actual court date where they would make a decision or determination on whether or not the deal can go through uh what the injunction is saying you know we mentioned this last week is that the ftc saying they need more time in order to make a case that this deal should not go through uh the judge will make a decision following the labor day i mean the fourth of july weekend here in the united states so that could be as early as wednesday as late as friday of next week uh but uh, before we get into whether or not they should or could not, let's just get into some of the details about what happened during these like last three days, because a lot has happened. I think we started you guys last week with uh, Sarah Bond being kind of an all-star and kind of you know taking the FTC's uh, lawyers' questionings head on and doing a relatively good job of proving Microsoft's point of uh, exclusivity and competition or just a, uh, a way of gaming and that the objections to this are kind of unwarranted. Uh, in day two, though, uh, or I guess what we consider day two, is it day two or day three? I think it was day three that started, three, four, five, yeah. Uh, we started off with a, kind of a quick recap of Activision saying that uh, the games were being tested on uh, GeForce Now in a beta form. They never actually made it uh, for no, you know, they didn't get down to the reasons why, but they did say that, you know, they were thinking about putting it on additional platforms just not the ones that microsoft had made a deal with and that was the questioning that uh ftc lawyers were trying to dig into uh to kind of prove that microsoft was uh doing this as a pr stunt and that you know the inevitability is that activision would have done this stuff on its own uh activision would not have and bobby kotick the ceo speaks to that later on uh in video it was understandably when the question about it siding with microsoft because they do have a 10-year deal uh, on the line if this deal goes does go through. Uh, we were we were given testimony from uh, expert economics uh, economist from both uh, Microsoft's uh, side and from uh, the FTC side, uh, which we you know I think started talking to started saying colloquially as just the combination of FTC slash Sony, because a lot of the arguments sounded eerily familiar. Uh, there were there was uh, a long discussion uh, over. The next three days about the definition of nintendo switch and whether or not it should be considered in the gaming uh pantheon of the elite higher end performance devices uh microsoft kept arguing for it the ftc kept saying no uh because if they can define it as a two-headed race it i guess it makes it easier for them in their case despite sony being the you know industry leader either way you put it microsoft is always second or third perhaps even fourth in most occasions if you include mobile as well uh, some other things we got from it was we got uh, testimony from Satya Nadella, we got testimony from uh, Bobby Kodak, we got testimony from 
uh, it, like you said, NVIDIA, uh, we got testimony from the expert economists, uh, all of these things. But at the end of the day, it seemed like the FTC was grasping at straws to make a case as to the harm that would befall the general consumer more so than the harm that would happen to Sony. And this, during their last, uh, their closing arguments, or I guess not closing arguments, but the uh, last day where the judge got a chance to kind of ask questions before making, ruling her decision, one of the standout lines was that the judge had to correct the FTC when they had said that what Microsoft is about to do would harm Sony. And then the judge said, you mean consumers? And everyone in the court laughed. As funny as that line might have been, it is kind of the basically shines a light over the overall court case of what was being defended here. What are your thoughts on that before I get into some more details? Something I, I mentioned last week, I think, to me, that this comes down to all about the consumers. Sony will make it without Call of Duty if they were to lose it. Sony's not, you know, going anywhere. Not necessarily saying that Xbox is going to catapult themselves to number one either, but something to think about here. As I I didn't get to see as much of it as you did because life interfered, but something that really crossed my mind, they're acting like Call of Duty is the last major franchise that there will ever be. There, there's just not, folks, there's just not going to be another title after these, you know, Call of Duty. We're not thinking about what is afterwards. You know, we're, we're going at it as, well, if, if we lose rights to Call of Duty or Microsoft might take them, then... You know, Sony's going to tank. No, folks. There were games before Call of Duty. There was one out there called Battlefield, if you've ever heard that name, that was very competitive. It's still out there, it's still out there trying. You know, and it's still out there. There was one out there called Rainbow Six that was oh. very popular back then. So, was you know, I, I, I agree with what the judge said. This is a consumer thing to me. Give the consumers what they want, and I'm going to be the Microsoft fanboy for a minute. Phil Spencer has always said, game everywhere. And I'm kind of paraphrasing there that, you know, and they've said this for years. They want to put titles everywhere. I think that's what the G did the G-Force now is. They can get titles everywhere. And I don't think necessarily that Microsoft wants to take anything from anybody. I don't see where this benefits them. In the end, it, it would add to their software portfolio. If they had the Call of Duties on their side. So somebody explained to me, I saw something yesterday, Call of Duty brings in, what was it? And you may have seen it to $800 million or something like that. So, uh, Sony. yeah, who, who, who wants to cannibalize money at that level? I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, that was the point uh, I believe Microsoft kept countering with was that it doesn't make it financially viable to lock off um, uh, Call of Duty from Sony, uh, particularly because of the close relationship Sony already has at Activision, which allowed which allowed Activision to basically set the standards to which Microsoft had to follow and and overlook or override their own. Uh, revenue share. This was another thing that we mentioned from last week that Microsoft, you know, tells and documents that it gives developers a 70-30 revenue share uh, split when it comes to mm -hmm. uh, what the games offer. And Activision, because it could live on just Sony's audience alone, which is two-thirds of its audience, told Microsoft that if you know, the next Call of Duty comes out, if you don't give us an 80-20 split, 
we're not going to provide it for your platform. That would have effectively made an exclusive had Microsoft not coughed up the money for this. Mm -hmm. And the FTC wouldn't have said anything about this. And they didn't say really anything about it when the line of questioning was happening. So Microsoft is saying that, you know, we are committed to providing uh, Sony with, you know, their exclusive, the market exclusivity marketing deal that they have that runs until 2025. And after that, we will keep providing the platform uh, for another 10 years at a high quality level like it currently is now. So no degradation, which was Sony's one of, so I mean, the FTC's arguments is that, oh, yeah, Microsoft might be signing these deals, but they also have a plan to uh, degrade the performance of that game on this platform in order to push people towards Xbox. And as any developer would tell you, that is not how this thing kind of works. You don't just design it for one platform to perform better. Um, so, you know, pretty much everyone, you know, talked that out of the courtroom to begin with. It was a non-starter. But these are some of the, just the arguments that were being tossed out there in order to try and make a case for the FTC. At the end of the day, whether or not, you know, I mean, we are admitted Microsoft fans, enthusiasts, uh, but the reality of it is that this court case was an injunction asking the FTC or asking the, the judge to grant the FTC more time to come up with a case to block it. And they didn't come up with any reasons so far to warrant more time. It isn't like they have uh, an additional argument that they're going to be, you know, trying to uh, expound on that they offered here to say, hey, judge, based on this argument, do you think we should have a little bit more time to run this theory out? Uh, so don't allow Microsoft to, you know, make any quick deals before our court time uh, in, I believe, August. It felt so, like they had played their cards to me. They did. And uh, I'm, again, I'm not a lawyer. I just know I follow a lot of legal cases. Uh, we had Florian Muller, uh, who was live uh, tweeting this, was in the court. He is a patent uh, lawyer and follows these kind of things and was kind of giving insight to this. So to, if I'm leaving out a ton of details, please go find him uh, and I'll give you his uh, Twitter handle in a little bit because uh, he has it all documented. Great play-by-play uh, -play for this. Uh, you can also follow Tom Warren on The Verge. He has a good write-up. We have our own write-up on, on Microsoft.com. But those are just some sources to get all of the details. But at the end of the day, uh, as Florian was mentioning, uh, there was nothing in the FTC's case that would warrant that that would change the timeline for this. You do, you don't need more time to make a case that you couldn't make currently. Uh, so that's where I'm saying that this injunction, because again, this doesn't stop the FTC from trying to block it. What it does is it stops Microsoft from pushing forward and closing the case, or you know, making a closing of the deal before they meet in August, which I doubt that they were going to do anyway. Uh, but you know. This, this, like I said, this gives them a chance to do that. Some of the other things that we got out of this was a admission from Satya Nadella that he doesn't like exclusivities. I mean, he's a cloud guy. Sure. <laughs> right. He also said that admittedly, you know, he's coming from position uh, from behind. So obviously not having exclusives works for them. But again, like I said, he's a cloud guy. And this is where many believe that the FTC dropped the ball. Uh, they went after console exclusives because it was, you know, presumably hurt Sony. Uh, when they could have done what the the CMA kind of did was go after cloud, uh, but they couldn't define they couldn't even define console, so it was going to be hard for them to define the cloud, uh, which is perhaps why they didn't do it. Uh, and during this case, I believe one of the arguments uh, that the CMA was banking on was actually refuted by Bobby Kotick himself. Uh, the CMA uh, was saying one of the arguments was that uh, without the deal, without Microsoft buying Activision, Activision would be forced to start offering their license uh, licenses for their games uh, you know that they publish and that they basically start their own 
cloud uh, service uh, on their own. And Bobby Kotick came out, I believe, when he's being interviewed, saying he hates subscription services. He personally doesn't like them. The uh, Activision as a business has considered them, but has done nothing to pursue them yet. And that he, they have no plans on licensing any of their uh, uh, titles for cloud services. So the idea that the FTC would be forced to, I mean, that Activision would be forced to do this without Microsoft's money uh, was kind of dead in the water, uh, allowing the FT, or allowing the judge to at least know that Microsoft is trying to offer this. It had already signed contracts with several other places to offer it, Nintendo being amongst one of the biggest profile uh, platforms. Uh, without Microsoft doing this, there is no plans uh, in Activision's roadmap to do any of this. So uh, the CMA's argument right there kind of flounders as well. We, you know, you guys, I've been doing this long enough with you. I'm kind of an out. Excuse me, I'm kind of an out, outside the box thinker sometimes. You know what solves this whole thing? What's that? What what solves the whole thing? Now is the time for a developer, maybe somebody we've never heard of, maybe somebody we have heard of, to go out there and make a blockbuster title. Go out there, make a blockbuster title, pull away some of those Call of Duty players to something else. Then that kind of changes the whole landscape of how people look at this thing because it really, and I hate to belabor the point, but it really bothers me that this has become a Call of Duty versus Microsoft type thing because everybody's afraid Call of Duty is going to go somewhere because that's the cash cow. You know, there are other titles out there that Activision has that makes money. They do have good titles out there that make money. But what, what wrecks this whole thing, even for Microsoft, it could wreck it for them as well. If this merger goes through and Microsoft wins and Call of Duty is now in the Microsoft acquired portfolio, well, what stops EA from going out there and saying, okay, we, we've sat back, we've watched this, we've kept our mouth closed, we're working on Battlefield 2042. Well, guess what? Now here's Battlefield, and I'm making this up, guys. 3042, look how great this is. And the Call of Duty players go, okay, now we want a piece of that. So, you know, we're arguing about the now, but as quick as things move in six months, whether Microsoft wins, Microsoft loses. Another company, another title could turn this whole thing on its head because we're not discussing the Overwatches of the world. We're not discussing the diablos of the world and you know i feel like we got to talk about those because they're 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 still important yeah diablo was brought up during this court case and uh i believe bobby kotick said that it's a once in a decade uh hit this isn't something that comes out as routinely as call of duty but uh i think the ftc tried to equate uh your points that like oh you know there are other ones that uh activision has that could potentially be exclusives and how how would that hurt people uh, again, you mentioned that Diablos, you know, comes out once every so often, and yes, it happens to be a success, uh, but that isn't the norm. Uh, the other things we got from this case was that Satya Nadella had promised 100% to provide uh, Call of Duty uh, to Sony's platform. So you have both the head of Xbox and the CEO of Microsoft pledging to keep the contracts uh, in place uh, currently and uh, extending them beyond that. Uh, so that should uh, satiate uh, the, the worries about at least Call of Duty specifically. Uh, we also got uh, information from 
Bobby Kotick saying that if the deal doesn't go through, he is going to walk away from this if if uh, this injunction gets put in place. Not just if the deal doesn't go through in time, but if this injunction gets placed uh, as early as Friday, he will he and Activision will walk away from the deal, meaning that they'll take the three billion dollars and that will be the end of this. Uh, this could end as Microsoft as early as Wednesday or Friday. A lot of people don't believe it will, but uh, based on his uh, you know wording during a testimony, that is a possibility. Uh, and I think I think that kind of sums up everything we got. Like I said, there are a ton of details. Uh, there's a lot that you can read about, uh, at least from the uh, economist who provided reports. I believe Lee was the economist for. Uh, the FTC, he had a lot of holes poked in his theories because uh, he was basing it on a share model that didn't take into account uh, online gaming or mobile gaming, which were uh, big sectors that, uh, you know, kind of, again, change the dynamic of this. As you said, if we can't get some developer to come out and make, an, uh, you know, a, another blockbuster game that, you know, builds each year like Call of Duty, the next thing to think about is how the cloud works how gaming goes, moves going forward, mm-hmm. how publishing works, how licensing works. None of these things were really talked about. It was basically just this console exclusive. Uh, and they kind of hinted at, you know, what Microsoft did with Bethesda as kind of an impetus on what they might do with Call of Duty, despite them being two different transactions with two different uh, caveats built in. I believe at the end of the day, if Microsoft, if the judge says, Microsoft, if you agree to these sets of things, if you will put this in writing that you will keep providing it, uh, that you won't do these certain things or whatever in the future uh, to, to, you know, basically steal IP from Sony as they give it to you to make the next, you know, Call of Duty for PlayStation 6 or whatever. If those things are set in place, I, you know, it's going to be really hard to come up with an argument on how the consumer is being hurt by this uh, until Microsoft, you know, finds a way to hurt them. Uh, I doubt that they're going to. They use Minecraft a lot as kind of showing like, hey, you know, we can take something that's multi-plat and keep it multi-plat. These are the reasons why we do these kind of things. And I think it's that simple. Uh, You know, the judge setting down, you know, if they decide that Microsoft gets to move forward, as you mentioned, set down the rules of, okay, Microsoft, you're going to play within these boundaries to make sure that everybody has access to everything that they need and this is the way this goes through and this is the time frame for doing it yeah it's unfortunate that the judge is going to have to do this because sony and uh jim ryan ceo of uh, playstation had an opportunity they've had an opportunity all year to sit down with phil spencer and Mm -hmm. and microsoft to to iron out some of these things but they've chosen not to uh and so they're waiting to last minute because they were so hell-bent on just saying no to the deal that they never said well if if the deal were to go through this is what we would want so it's going to come up to a judge saying like all right based on the limited knowledge of gaming that i know you guys know more than i do but the limited that i do know here are some of the rules i'd like you guys to put down in place and then you guys can work out the rest down the line so uh with that being said that is you know the end of that we will keep you updated on what the decision is come wednesday thursday or friday of next week uh, we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us for another week and we Hope yes. you enjoy whatever time you have this weekend off. And for those of you who don't celebrate the 4th of July, whatever your date, whatever you're doing that day, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, where can people find you? David PHA 1978 hanging out on the Twitters. And I will throw in there, folks, uh, speaking of holidays, I'm in a little bit of little bit of a different location today. So if the presentation quality was not what it might normally be as far as camera and sound, I do apologize. We'll be back in our normal location next week.
Yes. Oh, speaking of which, actually, I will be on vacation next week, so I will keep uh, updated, keep you guys updated on whether or not we'll have a pod next week, but I will not be in my normal location, so I may not be able to do that. Uh, for those of you who uh, want to yell at me about it, you can find me at Minded one on Twitter, uh, but I will uh, let you guys know prior to uh, us recording whether or not we will have one. But I, again, I want to thank you guys for being here with us this week, and uh, go enjoy your day. Go enjoy your weekend. Take care, folks. Thanks for watching, listening, whichever you choose. Goodbye.